the LCS has a new problem and it looks like maybe too many teams want out at the same time. And as of tomorrow from this recording, we might find out if the LCS has a solution. Also, uh, yep, Worlds is over and it was a dumpster fire for the side of Weibo. T1 destroyed them. We will be starting with that this episode. And Jojo Pion to C9, maybe on hold, maybe not. Uh, we'll discuss where that is at right now in episode 146 of the Clown Fiesta podcast with Blue Jay and JNT250. Jenter, we got to start with finals, man. Uh, Faker, once again, adding to his trophy collection, all of T1 just absolutely destroying Weibo. And I don't know if you agree, but for me, this whole series was mostly just about T1 stomping and not so much about Weibo not showing up. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, it was a stomp from top to bottom, basically. T1 won every single lane. They were in control pretty much every single minute of every single game. Maybe the only game that they didn't have, you know, moments of not being in control was probably the game, I think it was game one early on when Weibo got a couple kills early on, but T1 still had the gold lead for the most part in that game, and that was off the back of, like, a really big lead for Zeus in the top lane, and that didn't uh, slow down anytime soon because Zeus ran over the Shy, um, both against and with Aatrox, somewhat poetic. Yeah, I, I guess I said that it's not so much about Weibo not showing up, but honestly, you could kind of say that they didn't show up as well. It really was both teams at just both end of the spectrum as far as their, their performance because the Shy did just get dumped on the whole damn series. He did not have a good series whatsoever. Zayas, uh, definitely finals MVP, no doubt. He had a huge uh, three games. Also, um, he had two Flame Horizons in three games. That is probably one of the biggest smackings we've ever seen from just one matchup in a finals. Um, feel free to point out if there's something I'm missing, guys, because I'm sure we've had like how many finals now? Like 10, 13 range. I don't know how many seasons there are. So if, if I'm missing one, please feel to correct me in the comments in the comment section. But like this might be the biggest gapping we've ever seen in a finals. What do you think? Well, just the only thing that I thought of, just based on what you were saying, was season 10 finals when it was Bin and Nuggery, just because usually those top lanes were kind of one-sided. But just before we before we jump off that, like the, the only player or person you could say that maybe didn't show up for Weibo was the Shy, And honestly, it's pretty unfortunate because the Shy was one of the biggest reasons why Weibo was performing so well in the tournament. He, The Shy was on for basically the entirety of Worlds. People are... Yeah. You know, LPL fans and Weibo fans are so used to the shy being, you know, I don't know if coin flip's not the right term, but um, they're used to the shy having some very up and down performances. And I think more often than not, people expected the shy to continue those same performances going into the world championship. And the fact that he didn't have those up and down performances for the most part was really only up, I think was a big reason why Weibo advanced so far. And yeah. You kind of when 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 a certain player has been the driving force for why your team has been playing so well, and then that just suddenly disappears in the finals, your whole team is kind of just bound to fall apart because you're so reliant on this one formula that's been winning you a lot of games over the course of the last two months, basically, if you probably include the actual tournament, plus the, you know, three weeks, one month of scrims leading up to it. It, it was just unfortunately a bit disappointing from the shy. You mentioned the the coin flip title that people would um, maybe give to the shy, and I, I I think they would have in years past. I think especially at this World Finals, he was kind of putting that title to bed because he was having such a good tournament. Um, but obviously, with the finals that he had, 
And you kind of see that he was so good just a week or two ago and then so bad now. Like, it's kind of pointing more back towards that coin flip uh, title, perhaps. But on the other end, you just have to give a full bunch of credit to Zayas because, yes, he dumped on the Shy, but he also dumped on all of Weibo. Like, even when it came time for team fights, he just destroyed everyone, starting with the, the Yone flank in it was in game one where he just flanked at the dragon fight and yeah that's that was really the i don't want to say the because because it was only one game it wasn't the end of the series but it was the it was the turning point of the series when t1 really started to just absolutely take over so yeah the shy you could obviously give some criticism but zayas come on man that guy just yeah he, he took the championship he took it he said this is mine i mean for what it's worth zayas was probably the player that you know, T1 fans were probably the most concerned about going into the finals, not only because the Shy had been playing so well, but also because Zeus, you know, in his career, it's kind of been one of his, pretty much his only issue throughout his career so far is the fact that he has choked in a couple of these big finals, especially later in the series. And we didn't see any of that. And it's great to see... Quite the opposite. <laughs> it's great to see such a young player already kind of exercise those demons and what is he? He's 19. Like, this guy's still got at least another, you know, two to three years, probably at the absolute top of his game. And I would not be surprised whatsoever till we see him continue this dominance into next year. And hopefully he can take his great performance in this finals and transition that to other good performances in future finals. Yeah. Um, another player that I want to talk about, I guess maybe just T1's bot lane in general. But mostly I want to focus on Caria just because I thought he also had a really good series. The bot lane, I guess, game one, I, I don't know what Weibo was doing. I, Emily on cast said that like she liked Weibo's draft. I was co quite the opposite, personally. Um, I didn't like that they just gave over uh, Renata. Honestly, just a winning lane for T1. And mind you, you could make the argument that, you know what? T1's bot lane wins lane almost no matter what. Maybe. But what they did was they gave... Um, they gave T1 the bot lane they wanted, picked both their solo lanes blind, and then allowed T1 to, you know, ban four or five, two more bot lane um, picks. To me, you're just asking to give over Pryo to T1, and that's how they took over game one. So, I, you know, JNT, I do not like to point the draft very often. I, I purposely try to not do that. But to me, it was so obvious that T1 was just going to be able to take every objective in game one with bot lane Pryo. And that's exactly what they did. And that's what they've done so many times. So I don't know about you, but after I saw the game one draft, I was like, I know exactly what T1's going to do. And I know how this game is going to go. Even though they lost a couple of skirmishes early on in that game, it didn't matter because they were stacking so many objectives. And that's when Weibo had to go for that third drag. And then the Yone flank went off like... T1 knew that they were going to have to contest a dragon eventually. Of course, they went over, and then Zayas punished them for it. So, like, to me, if there was a way that you could draw how a game would go based off of how the draft went in game one, it just went exactly as it should have uh, gone to plan. So, that I don't know about you, but that was really surprising to me. I thought there was a huge draft gap in game one. Yeah, I mean, it, it was pretty clear in the first game that Weibo's game plan was to pick a very strong topside, invest, you know, their draft resources in that, obviously, as you mentioned, by blind picking the solo laners and taking the Maokai jungle very early on, it was clear what Weibo wanted to do. They just didn't get enough done in, you know, that first, you know, eight minutes of the game to warrant the insane deficit on the opposite side of the map. And, you yeah. know, as you kind of mentioned, bot lane pretty much just went unchecked the entire time. You know, everybody understands that Senna Tom Kench is not, you know, the greatest in lane pick. It really spikes very hard in the mid game. But they were down 40 CS almost eight minutes into the game. 
like the, the lane was just supremely over in bot side and like i said they didn't get ahead enough top side and once zeus made that one impactful play in the bot side river where he got that three-man alt and they killed three people and i think took the next dragon off of it that was the game right then and there yeah i and i guess just last thing on draft because you know i don't like to focus on draft but i will just say we've talked so much this tournament about the power of blue side and we even started to talk about it a little bit last week um about how like t1 is going to show people how to use red side they did the yeah they just keep well i mean maybe you could argue Weibo gave them the counter pick so like sure but t1 used it to their advantage and just stomped them with out drafting them so um yeah t1 was the only real team that that's coming to mind anyways um that's standing out on how to use red side properly and just counter and just take over the early game and snowball yeah, it was pretty interesting and kind of revealing to see Weibo stay on blue side, both both in game two and game three. It didn't necessarily surprise me that they stuck with blue side in game two, and they kind of ran back a similar comp. They they sort of did the same exact thing in the early game with blinding the Aatrox top side, picking the Maokai early, and kind of, they were probably under the expectation that the Shy was going to continue what he was doing for the rest of the tournament on Aatrox, which was going neutral in lane and having a really high impact in team fights, and... I mean, not to, we already did talk about Zeus and up Zeus, but he just annihilated the shy in lane, like, but like both sides of the matchup. And I feel, I feel like, I feel like any time, I feel like any time we talk about like a player or, you know, a team winning both sides of the matchup, when that is happening, it's almost impossible for the other team to do anything, regardless of where that matchup may be, whether it's mid top or bot. Yeah. I, I think the biggest, um, the biggest game from Zayas was probably the Gwen game. That game was disgusting. Oh I yeah, mean, you could just... kind of point to all of them, really. But I think I think the Gwen game was the biggest one. The game yeah. one with Yone was pretty cool too. I but... mean, you want you want to talk like specifically about like in lane dominating the shy one v one? It's definitely that game. You know, in games one and game three, Zeus made his impact more you know around the map other than specifically top lane. And obviously, he did kill the shy on a couple of occasions. But game two was all about the lane phase, whereas games one and game three was just Zeus survived. He got into team fights well, and then just carried the game. I, I'm sorry if I'm putting you on the spot here, but can you remember? I'm only asking you because you you usually have a really good memory. Can you remember anything about like when G2 went to finals or maybe even Fnatic, like when there was like three O's, if there was any like lopsided matchups like, like oh, the Zayas? I mean, in Fnatic IG, the solo lanes were getting absolutely dogged on. So, and yeah, if I know it's so long ago, but like, would you be able to compare Zayas versus... Um, Versus the shy now well, it, to back then. It's pretty much what it was, you know. In season eight, the shy was the one who was annihilating everybody, and then this final, Maybe Zeus was the one annihilating the shy. So, like I said, yeah. a little bit of poetic justice there. Maybe I'll have to go back and watch that because because my memory, like that shit's way too far in the past to remember just how big of stomps they were. But I guess yeah, what I'm trying to wonder is is this the biggest gap we've ever seen in finals? I um, don't think so. I think it was Fnatic IG. I'll have to go back and watch that. Dude, I mean, just I'm remembering some of the KDAs that players had in that series. Like, Bippo had, like, an Urgot game where he was, like, 0-8. There was a Caps Irelia game where he was, like, 0-8 or 0-7. Um, I think one of the games that Soaz played, he was playing, like, Orn and was, like, 0-8 maybe. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I want to I look it up even right now just to see. There might even be something from, like, Season 3 and 4 that we're forgetting. Again, this is where we use the comment section. Feel free to... Um, give us some reminders because I might have to go back and look at some of these series just to see, um, just to compare because I think it'd be okay. really interesting. 
yeah, game one caps is one and six on Irelia. Okay, I guess I thought Whippo entered harder on Urgot, but he was only two and eight on that mm. one Urgot game. And then... And of course, know. kill score doesn't always indicate... Like, yeah, it doesn't tell course. the full story, right? But yeah. At the end of the day, kill score is what you got, what a lot of people look at, so it does... It's not completely irrelevant. Um, should we talk about Faker and his future plans? Well, yeah. Are we saved? I mean, we are saved. Luckily, well, I mean, I guess, I think I think I remember saying this a couple episodes, like, episodes ago. The fear was, was that Faker was going to win and then retire. I mean, obviously, yeah. that, that's a cool retirement. You know, you win your last, you win a fourth world championship and right off into the sunset. But the fact that T1 won, and he looks like he's going to be continuing with the same roster, as he said in the post-game press conference, and I quote, I will continue with T1 and have no plans to retire. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> but I guess the thing that's important to note about that is Zeus, Gumiyushi, and Karia, all of their contracts expire at the end of this season. So presumably, just because they won the World Championship, I would assume they're going to try to re-sign the whole roster. Um, but if, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe one of those three players gets the bag from the LPL and decides to True. to leave because we have seen that before even even it's not just players who win the world championship but certain korean players who perform consistently very well internationally more often than not get the big money um free agent offers from china that's why we saw ruler go to the lpl last year that's why we saw you know everyone remembers the whole korean exodus back in 2015 and you know there's been spots in between uh, you know there's there's countless examples of big lck players moving to the lpl to collect the big contract so I would have to think, though, like just based on my own personal opinion and just guessing, I would think that the whole team sticks together just purely based off of the all of the evidence that points to this team being so close, this T1 team, that is. Um, so I, I would bet against the team splitting up, but I would also, I think it would be naive to ignore the possibility that one or two of these players could maybe leave. Yeah, and, and for me, it's not just how this tournament went, which is obviously the biggest part. When you win a finals, that's the biggest part for a team wanting to stick together. But let's not forget, last year, even though they didn't win, they were considered the best team in the world, like, hands down, right? Going into finals, no one thought DRX was going to beat them. And honestly, most people will still say that T1 should have won that series last year, that they just kind of maybe choked or whatever. And that's um, the crazy part, is they, the Faker could have five world yeah. championships. yeah. Like there's a world where this roster would have won back to back to back world championships. So like to me, it's not just like a one year. Hey, maybe this team works together well. No, it's pretty damn clear this team works well together. Um, so yeah, I I think it makes a lot of sense for them to stick together. But you make a fair point. Money does influence people. It happens all the damn time. So that wouldn't be anything new. Um, anything else on finals that you want to uh, highlight or or the future of T1 or anything like that? Well. If everyone was paying attention during the games, you would you you might notice this one small thing as to why T1 won this world championship. Uh-huh. It was because every single T1 player had flash on F, whereas no. every single Weibo player had flash on D. No. And if we know anything, it's F is for flash. That's why T1 no. won. Fake news. You're a flash on D? -er? Always been. Okay, here, here's why. Because, oh. I'll, so I'll admit full noob, but this is when, when I first started playing League, ping with G. G is right next to F, at, at, right next to F, excuse me. I would misclick all the damn time. I would always accidentally flash when trying to just, you know, ping. So if it's another button over, 
then I can't waste my flash. I mean, yeah, I, I, I would also, I'd be lying if I said I didn't accidentally flash while trying to ping, so. There you go. So, like, yeah, I might sometimes accidentally exhaust instead or, or ignite or whatever. But, yeah, y- I think you get my point. I get I, your uh, point, but the World flash. Championship winners have flash on F, so that's all I got to say about that. Oh, God, that's that's hard to argue against. Yeah. What we really need is we need a full, um, someone to do a full investigation to go back all the way to season, well, not even season one, fuck season one, that doesn't count. Fanatic didn't win worlds, don't at me. Um, all the way since like all worlds really existed and then get full data. And if we find out that more people won with flash on F, like as like a percentage or whatever, maybe I'll, I'll concede. But until then, until I'm proven wrong, well, I mean, Faker yeah. has won four times, and he has Flash on F all of those times, and presumably all the other t- former T1 players are following in his footsteps. So I yeah, would think that the majority of those guys have Flash here. on F, so I don't know what to tell you other than Flash goes on F. You're pushing me into a corner here, Jinther. I, the defense, I'm calling for a, a quick break. I don't know. <laughs> um, okay, anything else on finals? Well, well just finals, or are we going to, like... Talk about other parts of worlds. World, sure. Whatever, whatever, jump in, whatever you want. Well, I was going to mention, we were kind of discussing this before we just went live with this episode, but I had thought that they were going to give an award for the world's MVP, not just the finals MVP, but right. I was thinking of like, you know, trying to look it up and thinking about it just over the course of the past 15 minutes. I think I might have just made that up in my own head because I was trying to look it up and I see no evidence as to them awarding somebody for the world's you know mvp but anyways i'm so convinced that they do though like why do i think like i i thought for sure they did but they just don't i mean regardless we can still give our own personal world's mvps and uh-huh. luckily enough we don't have to do too much uh searching elsewhere because the player that i have is on the world championship winning roster huh? and no it's not faker and uh-huh. no it's not zeus but it's of course Caria. it's Caria. yeah you got the new jeans buff um, he basically, you know, reshaped the meta for the entirety of the world championship. And he, like you said, he played a fantastic final. He played a fantastic semifinal series against JDG. Don't really remember what stuck out in the quarterfinals, but I'm just going to assume that he also played well there. I know it was the series against LNG, but I just can't think of it at the current moment, but fantastic semifinals, fantastic finals played very, very well. Obviously in the Swiss stage, you know, there was that game against cloud nine, the bar game where he basically won V nine. There was a two Oh, the head against BLG where Carrier had uh, a Tom Kench game where he was playing with jinx and saved Gumiyushi on like countless occasions. I think they came back from like a six K gold deficit in that game. Carrier was just a complete monster this whole tournament. Widest champ pool of all the supports. Uh, what more can you say? Yeah, no, I completely agree, actually. So th- the way I look at it is, I think over the course of the whole tournament, I would be able to argue that maybe Faker or Zayas had just as good as a tournament. Well, maybe not Zayas. Faker had just as good of a tournament. But to me, I think when it comes to your performance in finals, I think that obviously needs to be weighted more heavily. Faker had a great tournament, just in finals, Carrier had a better series than Faker. And it like no offense to faker he had a great turn but yeah so to me that it's just that reason alone that he edges out faker and zayas had a amazing finals but i would say the rest of the tournament faker and Carrier carried the that team a little bit more so yeah i guess just more consistency out of faker and Carrier. but at the end of the day the finals was just Carrier taking over i think um so i i gotta give it to him yeah 
Um, I, I, for what it's worth, I will also say that I still considered Ben partially for this, but I do think, you know, some of the reason why I did go with Caria is just because you do have to slightly weigh the knockout stage more and you have to, you have to give more credit to the insane semifinals performance and the very good finals performance over, you know, the great, you know, Swiss stage from Ben and good quarterfinal series, but kind of fell yeah, off in the I, semifinals and it, it's just the tournament matters a lot too like it, you gotta win yeah carrier's performances were just too hard to ignore even though i think ben was probably a pretty close second yeah. in my book that with is. ben not even making it to finals and getting kind of dumped on for most of semis yeah i just i wouldn't be able to i think he was the front runner going into semis and then he kind in, of in my opinion ben was the clear-cut best players up until the quarterfinals point he he if, okay. if he were to stop it right there he would have ran away with it yeah, um, we're going to talk more about Worlds a little bit later in the episode, talk about like the uh, ceremony, pregame ceremony and stuff like that. So we'll get to more world stuff later. For now, I want to focus on some LCS stuff because it sounds like there's going to be an announcement tomorrow. I think it's better to have the conversation now, though, um, about some of this LCS stuff. Before we do, while we remind people to subscribe, if you want to support this podcast, the very easy way to do that is just to subscribe. Uh, leave a comment, hit the like button. It helps us tremendously. And for those unaware, we are on multiple platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Just look for wherever you get podcast stuff. Look for the Clown Fiesta podcast. You will find us. Um, okay, now, LCS, their new problem, JNT. They have too many teams that want to leave. Uh, we've kind of known for a little while that teams are looking to sell. Like, there's multiple teams looking to sell. The problem is, I don't think there's enough buyers. I, I'm positive that there are people that are interested in buying an LCS spot. I just don't think they can keep up. I don't think there's enough for how many people are looking to get out. And that's a problem. And so I guess the rumor is that the LCS is considering dropping down to eight teams and that they are going to announce tomorrow if they've decided to do so. That is the current rumor. Yeah, it's uh, pretty big news. Kind of honestly, it's kind of flying under the radar just a little bit because the world championship was literally yesterday and that's when this news kind of came out. So yeah. definitely wouldn't blame people for not knowing this or not paying enough attention to it. But, you know, looking at the landscape of the LCS, this is a very big deal. Number one, as you kind of mentioned, the the numerous amount of teams that are looking to sell their spot. You know, uh, uh, looking back on previous, you know, off seasons in the LCS, We've kind of got the feeling that a couple teams, maybe every single you know off season, and when I say off season, I'm I mean between the end of summer, end of world to the beginning of spring, not counting in between you know spring and summer MSI and whatnot. We do always hear these very minimal rumblings of hmm, this team is you know inquiring about what they could get for their spot, or oh, okay, we know Immortals has kind of been actively looking for the past year, and we know EG has kind of been actively looking for the past year, but there's been a couple other teams sprinkled in there that you know. They're, they're, they're poking around. They're trying to figure out what the market might look like. But I feel like this offseason was the first offseason where we truly had multiple, multiple teams trying to sell their spot all at the same time. We have heard reports that up to six teams that are currently in the LCS were looking to sell their spot within the last year. Those being or we're taking thieves. offers, right? Yeah, or like listening or taking to uh, taking offers. Yeah, sure. Yeah, because that's a little bit different than looking to sell, taking offers. Yeah, like, but know, we're, yeah. but this past off season, we're up to six in total. There was TSM, obviously now became Shopify. There's Immortals, there's Evil Geniuses, there's Dignitas, there's Golden Guardians, and there's 100 Thieves. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the only four that we haven't heard a, a single thing from, which is not very surprising, is Team Liquid, Cloud9, NRG, and FlyQuest, and. Why, why do I say that's not surprising? Well, one, it's because CLG just became NRG. 
uh, to Team Liquid and Cloud9 are probably the only two uh, relatively profitable LCS teams that we know of. And they have, you know, a lot of Team Liquid more specifically has big backing through venture capitalists and Cloud9 is just kind of the staple of the league. They're, I feel like they're not going to go anywhere. Let's also say that the the word profitable might be doing some heavy lifting there. Let's just say uh, maybe. But. Uh, like we we I guess what I'm trying to say is we don't know for sure that they're making profit, but they do have a brand that is actually recognized in the LCS. There's fandom there. Let's put it. Well, that no, way. I, I do think that Steve did come out and say that Team Liquid was profitable this past year, oh, and I think there's perfect. been not that Cloud9 has came out and said it, but I think there's been a lot of rumors heavily indicating that C9 was one of the few profitable LCS teams. Do we know if when Steve says that he's referring to Team Liquid in general or Team Liquid LCS? Not sure. Good, Very okay. good point, obviously, because as as most people know, Team Liquid's involved in a number of other titles like CSGO, Valorant, Smash, everything like that. So good, good, good yeah. point, obviously. My So th- the biggest thing about this rumor um, and why I think it's interesting to have this conversation now before we know whatever they're supposed to announce tomorrow. We, maybe people are listening to this and they haven't announced anything. I don't know. But the biggest reason why I think it's actually good to have this conversation before the announcement is because I think it really um, kind of paints the pure panic in my eyes um, of like we are last second just trying to make a decision because we don't know what to do. What I'm wondering is why is this happening now? Like, shouldn't it have, it's been known for some time that teams have wanted to get out now. It feels like something must have happened. And I don't know what that is, but something must have happened where all of a sudden the LCS panicked and said, oh crap, we don't have enough teams that want into the league with too many teams trying to get out. And so we're just going to panic and get rid of two spots. Like, I, I don't, or maybe they're thinking this is our opportunity to go down to eight teams. Maybe for a while they've wanted only eight teams and they're thinking this is our shot to actually make that happen. I don't know, but like, it's so weird. And like, why wouldn't this have been, why wouldn't this have been in the works, you know, not two days before all of the LCS contracts expire and players are trying to sign to teams. Like this to me is so shit for some of the players that think they have a spot and might just be told tomorrow, like, yeah, your team isn't existing anymore. And by the way, uh, every other spot that you, every other role or the role that you play, every other spot is filled. Like that might just be shit for like Licorice, for example, if, if Golden Guardians decides they're out. So yeah, there's there's lots of reasons for panic if if I have to be blunt. Yeah, it, it's definitely an interesting conversation, as you mentioned. Why is this happening? And kind of in addition to that, why is this happening right now? Because the majority of LCS teams have not been competing since the end of August, basically. Six LCS teams have not been doing anything. And I say six, it's even more than that, actually. But at the very minimum, six teams have not been doing anything since August the 20th. And then Golden Guardians obviously got eliminated early on in October. And, you know, other teams like C9 Energy and Team Liquid got eliminated, you know, in late mid-October, late October, whatnot. Uh, but what was I? I just lost my train of thought there. Um, um, while, while you're thinking of that, I just want to, well, I, I guess what the question that I wanted to bring up was, is this good news? Like, are we happy that it could go down to eight teams? Because I, I get there, the, there's pros and cons, right? The bad news is too many teams want it. That, I can't paint that as good news that everyone wants to leave the league. The good news is that I've gone on many times to you, JNT. I've gone on rants about how I think the LCS product is really difficult to consume. If you were to make a five-hour broadcast down to four, I think that's just easier to consume. That's one less hour that you're asking people to take time out of their day to watch. So still a long-ass broadcast trying to get people to watch four hours of League of Legends, but far easier. So like that's good, right? 
Yeah, and I mean, I guess one of the downsides maybe is that with less teams, you're kind of giving less opportunity. You know, there's there's less chances for new teams, new orgs, new people to get involved in the league because it requires, right. you know, you know, if there's a one in ten chance that you can acquire a spot during any given offseason, well, now that's only a one in eight chance. And once again, yeah. that all depends on who's wanting and willing to sell. Because, like I was kind of illustrating earlier, we have a couple teams now that have sort of locked themselves in for the for the foreseeable future. Shopify, NRG, C9TL, and FlyQuest. But you look at teams that have kind of been, for for lack of a better term, doing the minimum for a couple of years now. I'm looking at your Dignitas, your Immortals, your Evil Geniuses. Maybe we can throw Golden Guardians into this conversation. And I guess the point that I was originally sort of trying to outline was you look at the free agency period and what has been going on in the LCS feels like with certain teams, we have a lot of activity with teams nailing down their rosters and figuring out what they want to do moving into 2024. But there's a couple instances of teams where they have made zero to minimal progress at all on their rosters moving into 2024. And I wonder if that is the reason why this is being brought up, or as you mentioned, is this something that was considered or even discussed you know, when the conclusion of the LCS would have happened in, in late August, early September. Because, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about LCS free agency in a, in a few minutes here, but uh, Golden Guardians has not made a single, or there's not been any rumored spots on their roster whatsoever. The roster currently stands completely blank. And you look at the EG roster, and it's basically, the only people that are on that are people that they brought up from EG challengers to yeah. I, I, if anything i would just say temporarily fill those those spots because we've we've been we've known that eg's going completely budget for the last year and a half now yeah and the only the only news that we've gotten from golden guardians is that their players are leaving right so yeah. uh, the rumor is that gory's not coming back to the lcs although that he could still go to a team it's just the rumor at the moment is that he's not and then who he's going somewhere else and then river's already gone to 100 thieves as we figured out last week i think mm-hmm. so yeah they have nobody so that's why I think a lot of people are pointing to that team as being one of the teams that wants to leave. Uh, but it's just like there's too many, right? Um, I guess this is a fair time to ask the question, JNT. Was franchising a failure? I think I think yes. I think the answer to that question is yes at this point. Um, Me too. I guess part of the... A couple of the reasons why I say yes was the idea, well, I guess the initial idea of franchising was to have permanent partners within the league that were going to stick around for the long term. And we were hopefully not going to be, hopefully not going to be seeing the continuous turnover that we traditionally saw at the bottom of the LCS. Obviously, that came in various forms, whether it was promotion or relegation tournament or just mm-hmm. the players at the bottom of the standings naturally just got filtered out of the league more often than they did during the era of franchising. I feel like one of the one of the one of the parts of the this franchising era that people have just really not liked, especially when it comes to a team building perspective and a talent development perspective is a lot of these players, veteran players just kept getting recycled into different teams and yes, there were some very good examples of players who were playing at a high level at one point, dropped down, they stuck around in the league, and they ended up sort of getting back to the top. You know, you look at your Licorice, your Stixay, your Huhi maybe throw also in like a Wild Turtle potentially. Like, you know, he had some good moments and bad moments, but there's a litany of other players who stuck around in the league for way too long. And, you know, I think a lot of people would argue we're holding up other spots for maybe more deserving NA players. So when it comes to that perspective, I would say yes. 
and then uh, when it comes to teams sticking around for the foreseeable future, how many of the teams that were initially announced to be franchised into the LCS, how many of those are still actually here? Optic is no longer here. Clutch Gaming is no longer here. Uh, CLG is no longer here. Echo Fox. Uh, Echo Fox is no longer here. Yep, they were. Echo Fox no longer here. I I don't know if I'm missing anybody else because Hundred Thieves Guardians on the way out, probably, possibly. Yeah, they yeah they would have been a new team that came in at the time, but you know for 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 the term permanent partner, we had like four of those teams leave in two years. Like, there's not a lot of permanence. <laughs> yeah, none whatsoever. And and even at that, despite those initial teams that have been gone from franchising, some of the ones who have come back in the short term, your Immortals and your Evil Geniuses, Evil Geniuses came back in, what, Season 10? And Immortals also came back in Season 10? They're also two of these two teams that might be rumored to be gone. Yeah. So what so- what what stability, apart from your top four or five teams, do you really have with this franchising model that was supposed to, that was preaching about stability and a profitable league. Yeah. So I I agree with the notion that franchising has been a failure. I just when I hear people talk about this, I hear nothing but all things bad around franchising. Um and I think there was some good things about franchising, they just kind of expired. So what do I mean by that? One of the good things about franchising was that a team could lock down a sponsor for multiple years, right? You didn't wonder if that team was going to get relegated. Well, the reason that kind of expired is because with the league not making any money, they're not keep keeping sponsors anyways, right? So like that's that's a so yeah, you were able to keep sponsors in theory, but you're not in practicality for other reasons. Um, teams were able to invest in academy squads, right? Build up talent. What happened to the academy teams? They're gone. Everyone got rid of them. So it's like some of the positives that came with franchising are not around anyways, and it's for different reasons. So, like, there's fewer and fewer things to point to as to why franchising was a success at one point. And that's doing some heavy lifting saying was. Um, A lot of those things are just gone. And at the end of the day, we mentioned there's so many teams that just want out. So if you don't have an academy academy teams anymore, sponsors are dropping anyways. Everyone's looking to claw out and to sell, sell, sell. Where is the success of franchising? Yeah, it's It's uh, not very uh, existent. Yeah, it it very much is. And one of the other issues that we've dealt with, that we've been talking about this for so long now, is that with all the VC money that was coming in with franchising, people just went and bought all the really good Korean players that came in, and we know how that went. Mind you, there are some really good Korean players in our league. I don't want to pretend like there's not. But so many times we would get them, they would boomerang right back after one year, right? And so like all this time that you've invested in building up a player's um, brand and just their personality and all that just goes the wayside. We've heard Travis Gafford mentioned that many, many times. You and I are big uh, agreeers on that on that sentiment. So th- I guess I, I'm, I'm going on here, but all this to say that there's fewer and fewer and fewer things to hold on to to call franchising a success. And when everyone wants out, and none of the things that were supposed to be a success in the first place are actually working, it's really difficult to say that franchising was not a fail failure. Yeah, it's there's not a lot of like when you try to when you try to break down the pros and cons, there's really very few pros that you can point to that are uh, carrying any weight whatsoever. Maybe, and this is again less true now because they got rid of the challenger teams. But you could argue that when um, when challengers or academy teams did exist, that allowed players like Palafox and Dokla and all the the and contracts, the NRG guys, they had a place to play so that they were able to make it back. Right? I feel like that was one of the benefits of franchising. So like it did work at one point. Yeah. 
and, and and there were a bunch of bunch of bunch of sponsorships coming in at one point. So like, it, it's not to say that franchising completely failed because I would argue it was working pretty well for the first few years. Just in the long run, it did. Yeah, it I definitely in the first couple of years, I think you did see some change for the good, but I think slowly. Don't know if the LCS sort of lost that franchising identity or if just outside factors were kind of forcing the league to shift. And obviously, we have to talk about the financial stresses that a lot of these teams were under. You know, kind of sort of some of that started with, you know, COVID and everything like that. But even post COVID, teams are still struggling. So you really wonder is that a byproduct of franchising or is that a byproduct of just teams and the decisions that have been made over the course of the last five years just not working out um couple things that i want to talk about so let's pretend that they announce tomorrow nope we're sticking with 10 teams we're not getting rid of anyone does it worry you at all because obviously it worries me does it worry you at all that we have more teams just coasting coasting along in our league right that are just like oh we thought that you guys were going to drop us, so we didn't really think that we were making a roster. And so they just put up bare minimum rosters, as we've seen other teams do. Um, and then we have not, like, first of all, how cursed is it that if we, if we rewind one year ago and we were told there would be two less LCS teams, we would have thought, oh, Dig and Immortals are gone. But how cursed is it that we might have two less teams and Immortals and Dig might still be part of the league? It's true. I mean, if you look at if you're looking purely at the free agency activity in the last one to two months, you would argue that you know that those digging immortals have not those been those two teams. It's been evil geniuses and golden guardians that have been doing the bare minimum. So, but anyways, sorry. Back to the question though, does that worry you that these teams are just going to coast and just vibe and hang out? It's definitely an issue for the short term. I think that for spring split, it would it would it. it Sorry, it will definitely show itself, but I think that at the same time, once the spring split happens and you do have like not not every team at the bottom of the standings can be 10th place. Like some of these teams are going to be, you know, 6th place, 7th place, 8th place and hopefully and like I say hopefully that would give the team owners, general managers, management whatever it would kind of give them the inkling that, oh, well, maybe I actually do have a roster that can compete. And let's maybe put a little bit more into this going to summer. Like, we kind of know what our building blocks are. We can get maybe a big name for the start of summer split and kind of go from there. But that's that's a hope. That's wishful thinking right there. But yeah, uh, it's definitely it's definitely looking more and more like teams are kind of just mailing it in, which is obviously not a good thing. And look, that it, that might just not be true. There's a world where maybe Golden Guardians has a full roster ready to go, and they just haven't announced it yet, right? In a couple of days, the free agency should really have actually started, and teams should actually start signing people. So maybe maybe everything's fine, and maybe Licorice has a team, and maybe you know all these guys that we think deserve teams will have teams. Maybe it's just it's looking very grim um, if they decide to keep ten teams and not all the teams want to be in it. We've seen what that looks like. I, Immortals has been one of those teams. I don't want to have two or three other Immortals squads in the league. Plus one counting Immortals themselves. Like, that would be a big problem. Last thing, uh, last thing for me anyways, um, that I wanted to bring up would be, let's say we do take away two teams, and now we've got eight. What does a regular season look like? What does a split look like? Because you always played each team twice. You'd have 18 games. If you're playing every other team twice now with only seven opponents, you're only playing 14 games. Does yeah. that bother you going down to 14 games from 18? Definitely, yes. Because uh, you would have 
two less weeks of LCS? I mean, if the league were to decrease to eight teams, I would. I mean, I I would just think you'd have to increase the number of games being played during the regular season, and that would likely result in some type of a format change for the regular season and the standings and whatnot. You know, because if you if you were to just take the exact same format as it currently is, you know, a round a best of one round robin that in this case maybe you complete three times, so you play for a total of twenty one games. That would make sense, but also, who knows, maybe eight teams would actually give us the opportunity to move to best of three regular season. I would say if if we were able to get best of three regular season with eight teams, I could be down. Like That that actually might be a change that I could go, I, I could see them making and be like, this is the rationale we're doing it for, and I would maybe agree with that. I'm very hesitant to see what a best of three thing looks like because... Well, we already saw it. What are you talking about, like season six? Yeah, season six, seven. Yeah, see, to me, that was not successful. You did not have, there was not a lot of, like, viewership really struggled there. Mind well, but that's because you, you have 10 playing, teams, so maybe you don't have to go dual stream in that. They were, yeah, I was going to say, they were playing on two different streams at the same time. So that is something that is completely different. However, like I mentioned earlier, where, like, you bring a five-hour broadcast down to four, with best of threes, you could have, like, a six-hour broadcast if you're doing, like, two per day. You also don't know if they're going to go on weekends again. We hope that they somehow bring the LCS back to weekends, but if not... I doubt that's happening. Everything that they and, everything that they said, especially in this like executive interview that they had with like some thirty minute video video, they once again reiterated the point that they don't want to have overlapping uh matches like leagues and whatnot. So sure, sure. But that that doesn't necessarily mean that it can't go back on weekends. I'm not saying they will, but I'm just saying that there is maybe a world where it's like, oh, this they just um I don't know, just two random months. Like March, April is Valorant and then May, June is is uh, LCS or something. You know, I'm just throwing out random times. I don't know. Um, what else was I going to say? I lost my train of thought. Well, one, I just will maybe gather your thoughts. One, another thing, don't want to sidetrack us here, but one thing to point to the bad of eight teams is I feel like going down to eight teams, and I've said this before, is a heavy, heavy indication that the LCS is going to be demoted to a a non-major region. Yeah, I don't think so. I think so. Sorry, go, did I cut you off? Go ahead if you had more. To well, say. I, I think the proof is just that there is no other league in the world that has eight teams that is considered a major region. Every single league and every single uh, region that has an eight-team league is a minor region. Yep. So that that's true. But just for me, I don't look at a team as being a major or minor region based off the number of teams they have. To me, it's based off of their performance, right? North America. And they haven't Europe, had good performances. Though, no, but still, they do outperform all the other minor regions by far in general, right? Of course, every once in a while, a minor region comes along and beats one of the majors. Sure. But if they keep being like the top four, like, like let's say the LCK, because LCK is having like esports winter as well. Let's say they have two teams that are losing money and they go down to eight teams. Like, would we call the LCK a minor region now? No, they still probably win worlds, even though they just have eight teams. Right. So that's why, like to me, I don't look at it as, Oh, how many teams do you have? Oh, and because you have this much, you're a minor region or you're a major region. I just look at like the performances of the, of the leagues. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't trying to say that that's the end-all, be-all to being a minor region, but, you know, when you're talking about international performance, if we remove Cloud9 2018 and NRG 2023, NA international performances have been hot garbage for five, five, five six years in a row. There's been nothing to write home about NA internationally except for C9 in 2018 and NRG in 2023. Yeah. Not one thing to be positive about when it came to NA's outlook internationally. Yep. 
Uh, fair enough, but I mean, that still is something rather than nothing. Yeah. I, I want to know, um, people in the live chat right now or comment section, I want to know what people think about should North America be a minor region if they had eight teams. Like, I guess what I want to know is, does the number of teams matter to you or not when you look at like what a major and minor region team is? Because as far as I know, there is no actual definition, is there? Uh, what do, you, what do you mean no definition? Like, has Riot ever said, like, this is a definite, like, this is what defines being a minor region. Uh, this no, is what I defines don't. being a major. They haven't ever, it's just like, this is major, this is minor. That's kind of it, as far as I know. Well, yeah, from, from what I can remember, you know, when the LMS moved from a major to a minor region, I think that was just, like, up to Riot's discretion. Like, they basically chose that when the LMS became the PCS, they were no longer a, a major region. Hmm. And, Interesting. And, and that had nothing not to do to, with their performance, or well, not to, not to use the same point again. But when that happened, they went from ten to eight teams. Like, yeah. Okay. So no, that, that went hand in hand with no, that. but that's a good point to bring up, though, because it it doesn't matter what I think is a minor or a major region team. It doesn't matter what you think. It matters what Riot thinks. It, yeah. So if if when they went from ten to eight, and then they considered them a minor region team, maybe that's how Riot views it, and then maybe Riot does say, you know what, LCS, you guys got eight teams. You're a minor region. Okay. At the end of the day, does it matter that much if we are or are not? I mean, no, it doesn't really matter, but it's just kind of a kick in the gut. Like, it's like, oh man, like, we're really a minor region now, huh? It's even better when NRG beats G2. Beast! Got beat by a minor region! (laughs) I guess, but presumably becoming a minor region would automatically reduce the number of world slots that North America would be given. Because I think if I... Well, I think if I remember correctly... When the LMS did get bumped down to a minor region, they still had three teams that advanced to the world championship exactly like I believe they had in previous years. However, one of those teams automatically dropped into the play-in tournament, and I think two advanced. And then over the course of the next year, maybe it was two, they then got reduced to two teams because of those performances. Mm. So, I mean, right now... North America has three plus one, kind of with the world's qualifier series, and I could easily yeah. see that if we drop to eight teams, it would then become the two plus one. Whereas, you know, you get two teams, they'd either both go directly main stage, maybe one goes main stage, one goes planned, and then one goes into the world qualifier series. Yeah, Lucky's saying they don't call it minor region anymore. I don't think they do. What is it oh, called? No, it's, is it like it's emerging em- or something? It's emerging region, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Miss Which, me, miss uh, me with that. Potato, potato. I mean, I think it was just like literally just a positive language change. I think that was literally the only reason for that. But major regions are still called majors, right? Yeah, they are. Okay. Well, I mean, you would just think the opposite. Like, anyway. Uh, from, from, from what I remember, it was purely just to use like a better sounding language, like a mm. better sounding term. What do you think? The one thing Luxie said that made me laugh was eight team playoffs with eight teams. They, they wouldn't, right? That'd be a fucking there's joke. No, that would be a fucking no, joke. There's no shot. I really hope that's not the case. That would be... That, okay, that's one good way of making people look at you as a minor region. Everyone makes the playoffs, you know? Like, it's already pretty... People already make fun of yeah. eight like teams. The, the, the eight team playoff is already a joke, and if you were to have eight teams where every single team made the playoffs, like, oh my god, it would just be laughable. I don't think it's that much of a joke, but I could see why people do think it is. But I like it. Anyways, I, I, I've enjoyed our eight-team format, even though I totally get why people make fun of it. Uh, anything else on the LCS and their new problem? Um, It won't be the last one. Oh, God, that's so true. <laughs> Jamie kicking me right in the truth. Okay. Um, should we go NA free agency? 
there have been some more moves. Like I said, if we just, uh, I'll, I'll read this out for the audio only people, but obviously for the people who are watching the YouTube video, you can see on screen, there has been a couple changes to some of these rosters. The most important, and I would say the biggest one over the course of the last week was who he rejoining with his former bot lane partner, FBI, joining the championship oh, God, winning yeah. NRG squad. And I feel like we pointed this out on multiple occasions throughout both the summer split, the playoffs, and the world championship. Ignar was kind of one of the underperformers of the team. He had a really good finals. But I think for the most part, if we were to point to, you know, who could potentially be holding NRG back, I think the number, the two names that people talked about the most were Ignar and Dokla. Mm-hmm. and we did kind of learn about a week ago that there was going to be a couple changes made to NRG where a lot of people thought that they were just going to run back the same roster, but they found an upgrade for support, straight upgrade, and that's can only be good for NRG moving forward. You know I'm a big Huhi fan, but I think it's fair to make an argument that it's not an upgrade. Um, I do think, in general, Huhi had a better year, but you have to realize that when games really mattered, like finals, like you mentioned, or even at Worlds, Ignar performed great, and who he kind of fell apart with the rest of Golden Guardians in their series against BDS. Yeah. So you could argue that even though who he had a really good year from like January all the way to what like July or whatever, um, when the games mattered most, Ignar was better. Yeah. So I I personally feel better just because I know FBI and who he have played together before, and I think that that's really good. I just I don't think it's that clear cut that it's an upgrade. If that if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I I can't disagree with that. So you're you're definitely not wrong. But I just I think you know overall consistency, looking at an, an entirety of two LCS splits splits plus the potential of international competition, I think it's an upgrade. You know why else it's an upgrade? Do you know you should know where I'm going with this? Uh, no, I'm not sure. The content, baby. Oh, who he mixed with yeah. that? Come on, let's go. Yeah. We're gonna need energy uh, content. The, the NRG mic checks are gonna be uh. Insta Insta click for you now, huh? Oh, for sure. They've already been kind of, in, but like, yeah, they're they're even better now, I guess. Um, I I, I don't want to go on this for too long, but can we actually just say real quick that like Energy's content has been really good. Like, there haven't hasn't been much for them to do since joining the league, right? They join the league and they're just like, oh yeah, you guys see all you CLG people, just keep doing your thing. But then they actually just started making content around it. They're building a really good brand for themselves just to start. Like, I shouldn't say building a brand because NRG's already existed, but do you get what I'm trying to say here? Yeah, yeah. They're cementing themselves as a fan favorite really quickly. And yes, winning helps with that, but content does too. So, like, I guess we we don't see a lot of teams come into the league and really do all that much. Um, Shout out to NRG for doing that. Well, we've used this example, like, countless times. You, You know, obviously, the best way to become popular is winning. To retain those fans and to keep those fans, you know, on your side when your team isn't doing as well, you you generate that fandom by doing these these types of content. Like, you know, part of the reason why everybody points to the downfall of TSM is they they specifically made their brand like it was all about winning. Like they they fully did not invest. I mean, I guess I, I, that's that's incorrect. I shouldn't say towards the beginning of the LCS and the the early days of TSM, they definitely invested a lot more in in content yes. and sort of building fandom. And I think that is part of the reason why TSM became so successful. But at a certain TSM point, Legends was popping off. At one it, point. it was. I I've said this multiple times. I loved hate watching TSM Legends back in the day. <laughs> like when I was just a, like a super super diehard C9 fan, I just hated I hated the fuck out of TSM. Anytime they lost, I was always insta clicking TSM Legends, but. 
And honestly, kind of when the franchising period started, TSM really, they didn't commit to that stuff as hard. They clearly didn't put as much of an effort into things outside of the rift. And when they fell off a cliff, uh, when it came to their performance, it was pretty clear that a lot of those fans just didn't necessarily stick around. They they moved yeah. elsewhere. If anything, you know, they kind of just became fans of those players only. And then when those players moved to other teams, that fandom went with them. Like Bjergsen brought a lot of fans over to TL and 100 Thieves when he joined those teams. Doublet brought a shit ton of fans to Team Liquid when he went there. You know? I agree. Uh, okay, what's the other big move? Jensen, Jensen, big move actually. Yeah, Let's I was go. gonna say, I was gonna say, FlyQuest. They finally rounded out their roster. We obviously thought that they were going to be going with an import mid, but they landed on Jensen, who is in. I think he has a green card, so he counts uh, for an NA resident. Um, but it was also said in the Sheep Esports article that both Nemesis and Larson were considered for the team, and also there was a possibility that if none of those worked out, they were gonna field an ERL mid laner. Um, and yeah, they, they, they it, pointed out the fact that they had Takui not too long ago. So that's kind of a scene that they're somewhat familiar with. God, that would have been sick. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Jensen, but Takui comes back. Let's go. <laughs> that would have been beast. Okay. Um, I'm happy with the Jensen move. I'm not going to pretend like I'm happy with it because of how good he was last year. I don't think Jensen had a good year. I'll be completely honest with that. I'm just a really big Jensen fan. And I really, if, if there's an angle for Jensen to have a bounce back, FlyQuest is a really good team to have that happen with. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. I would have thought TL would have been great for that as well, but it seems like that's not happening. Who knows what TL is doing still? We'll maybe find out in a couple of days. But if there's an opportunity for Jensen to bounce back, wouldn't this be it? Yeah, it's, it's definitely a very solid roster that he's joining, uh, mostly because whenever we see Jensen with a very strong early game dominant jungler, that's when Jensen's at his best. When he was playing on Cloud9 with Blabber, uh, I guess I would say part one with the whole Zillion Kindred thing. And then when he was playing with Cloud9 and Blabber part two in the summer of 2022. And then you look at his time on Team Liquid when he had, um, I guess I wouldn't describe X Smithy as a very strong early game jungler, but he was just a pure facilitator and just allowing, you know, propping up Jensen basically. And I think Inspired is going to help Jensen very much with that, with his performances going into 2024 comparing to 2023. I want you to put your C9 hat on because you could do so easily. Is this good news from a C9 fan point of view? Are you like, yes, Jensen didn't have that good of a year. I think FlyQuest is less of a threat with him. Or are you like, shit, like this roster's kind of scary. I'm worried about this team maybe um, contesting Cloud9 for championship along with NRG, of course. Like, is there, how, how do you feel about it from the C9 fandom side of things? Uh, I don't know. I guess I, it didn't, I don't think it really mattered to begin with. I think mm. I don't think there was any mid laner that FlyQuest was probably going to sign that was going to make them like a, a big threat. Like it was going to elevate them to be like the number one team to go at. Like you still, I, I think you still have to lean towards NRG still for the time being. The yeah, way that the bigger the way that I see it, NRG they had the best uh, world's performance, they had the best playoffs performance, and they just made an upgrade to their roster. And Cloud Nine fell apart at the end of the playoffs. They fell apart at the end of Worlds. And yes, they are presumably upgrading their roster, but we still don't know what that's going to look like. Yeah. And okay. I, I don't think that the Jensen signing uh, props them up over C9 or NRG. Uh, but I would say that, if anything, a player like Larson, yes, would have been a, a bigger upgrade than That's where Jensen. I was going with that. Okay, that, that's what I was trying to get at was, okay, so you think Larson, I, I think yeah. I agree. Or, honestly, if, or if they did another as... Korean mid laner of some, uh, of some form. Depends, though, because that could be really... You could be quid. It could be crown. I, I think that's be... enough already to make my point. <laughs> True. It could could be somebody really good too. 
Uh, okay. Uh, what else we got? Well, I think I was going to go to 100 Thieves next because they pretty go much they pretty much got their whole roster together in the last nine days. It feels like we already knew uh, last week that River was going to be joining uh, the squad, and at the time he was the only move that we really had confidence in moving forward. Obviously, Quid was kind of floated out there that he could remain with 100 Thieves, but everyone wasn't exactly sure if that was going to happen. But we had it's now been you know rumored and confirmed that he's going to be staying on the roster, that Sniper is also going to be promoted to the starting top laner spot, and that they're signing Meech and Ayla, Ayla formerly from EG and Meech formerly from DSG, uh, to join the squad. And kind of looks like that 100 Thieves is going, I mean, we kind of knew that they were going a bit budget, but at least they're going budget in terms of North American and talent development as opposed to just recycling veterans, kind of like uh, Immortals over there. I, like, okay, yeah. <laughs> Immortals is some recycled veterans. But I mean, like, but like I, my, my point being here is when you, when you talk about, like, a team and what a lot of North American fans have been, like, banging against the walls for teams to do is is what 100 Thieves is doing right here. Yeah. You know, I, I think both Shopify and 100 Thieves are really going at this next season with the with the right mindset in terms of the financial... Uh, commitment that they've made and the goals that they probably have i think both of those teams are doing a really good job and i guess i shouldn't say they're doing a really good job they're do, they're they're taking their team in a good direction a positive direction yeah the the biggest thing that i that like excites me about the 100 thieves roster it's not mid bot or support even though like i think all those players have potential well maybe not quid quid was actually pretty shit but maybe their bot lane has potential to surprise and you know really pop off i think the hype needs to be with sniper Sniper has been talked about for how many years now? The, the meme is like this Three. is like the fifth or the yeah. fifth year in a row that he's turning thirteen is like the meme. The meme oh, yeah, right? Yeah. Like he's finally old enough to play in the LCS. This guy's been talked about forever. Is there ever or has there ever been this much anticipation for one player joining the LCS? There's no way, right? Sorry, I say that again. I got distracted. Has there ever been this much anticipation for one player to join the league? This has been like four years or five or whatever. Yeah, it's probably. I'm trying. Right, he hit Challenger when he was twelve, and I'm trying to think of any other names that stand out. I'm not sure. JoJo was hyped, but like it was pretty quick transition, right? Like it was like we knew pretty quickly that he was going in, and then he, you know, there was not like this three or four year wait for JoJo to join. It's difficult to say because I feel like a lot of the NA rookies that have popped off in recent memory, they've popped off because they've just come into the league and kind of taken the league by storm. And and you point to the JoJo Pune's, the Danny's, you know, we haven't really had, you know, those European types of players that are involved in the scene for many, many years before they come into the league. And then they're already like supposed to be very good talent. That's part of the reason why you see a lot of LEC teams, you know, taking players from regions like the LFL and whatnot. It's because, it, there's a pretty proven track record that you play well in that league, you're going to play well in the LEC. And, you know, in recent years, we've kind of lost that uh, vehicle of Academy Slash Challenger for players to really show their skills and give them give themselves, you know, hype and prop themselves up going into the start of their LCS career. Like, Sniper only played in Challengers, I mean, and I don't even know if it was Challenger, he only played in Amateur for like, I think a year on 100 Thieves. And it's kind of just been chilling on the sidelines for like the last year now. 
And then uh, not just Sniper, but I think Sniper playing with River is oh. one of the reasons why I'm excited for that. Because River had a great year. I want to see him. Uh, look, I know this is wishful thinking, guys. I want to see Hooney Rainover vibes. Like where this is where we play. We play to the top side and we absolutely take over. That's the dream, right? That, yeah. I'm not saying I'm expecting that to happen, but that's what you want when you see this new young rookie come in who's supposed to be hella hyped and he's put with, with one of our best junglers. Let's go. I want to see some dominance on the top side of the map. Yeah, honestly, you're laughing at chat. I see you yeah, laughing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keith McBrief. Yeah, someone was hyping up Keith. I don't think that was a serious suggestion. Um, what else do we got to talk about? Um, well, yeah, there's a Dignitas. They made another signing. Uh, they have Dove in the mid lane, who formerly was playing in the LPL last year uh, on IG. It was the starter in Spring Split, but actually got benched in Summer Split. And before that, I believe, was playing in the LCK for a number of years, more specifically on Live Sandbox. And I want to say he played on DRX also. Hmm. I, I'm pretty sure about that. I don't know anything about him. It's just like a whatever to me. Yeah, he's like a, he's a slightly below average LCK mid laner. That's the, that's the impression that I had. Dude, he's kind of like a gory. Isn't that what people said about quid or was quid academy quid was below average academy well he was below okay, Ch so he was below chovy like i from what i like when i remember we were talking about quid in beginning of summer split the only reason i was hyping him up or even talking about him whatsoever is that, like this guy could be good it's because he was subbing for chovy it's just like if that's the best thing we've got about a guy is like who's playing above him and <laughs> rather than what he actually does i don't know but uh anyway um people in the chat are asking about jojo sandbox and i think it's a good time to get into that discussion yeah, we thought for sure Jojo was locked into Cloud Nine, and although it's still looking that way, it looks like Sandbox at the last second was like, "Hey, let's go after this North American guy." That's not something we see very often. Yeah, it's definitely surprising to see you know the LCK specifically look at you know a North American player to bring into their league. You know, I know when when the Jojo to C Nine move was initially reported it was actually revealed that there were some EU teams that were interested in potentially uh, getting mm -hmm. JoJo. And I think, if I remember correctly, those were uh, Heretics and Vitality. Maybe there's another one in there. So not surprising at all to see those two teams interested just because of what a hype player and hype prospect JoJo has been over the course of the last two years. But the fact that an LCK team, albeit you know a below-average LCK team, Live Sandbox, was actually looking to import a North American player, I think really just shows how much the the league scene in general respects this player yeah like i think that's really cool and all but i don't like being on this end of things i like it when we're the one taking everybody else's good players like don't do that it's not so fun being on this end of things we're not normally on it um yeah and yeah, we'll just, just to crazy. just to give a little bit more specifics on the whole live sandbox negotiation it was reported that uh jojo verbally agreed to join cloud nine but then shortly after that, Liv put in an offer for JoJo to, I guess I would assume his agent. The article didn't specifically state that. I'm going to assume it's his agent. And then they had to go back to Cloud9 and Cloud9 had to actually revise their offer with more money to keep him around. So don't know if maybe they were just using that as a bit of leverage to get more money out of Cloud9. I know it's a pretty common practice in you know traditional sports when it comes to free agency. Players more often than not just leverage their opportunities from one team to get more money from the other. Um, wouldn't surprise me at all. It, it's he deserves it, and I'm just obviously very glad that he's sticking with C9. What's interesting about this to me was that 
Um, I remember Travis Gafford saying on one of his streams that his guess was that JoJo was the highest paid player in the league at the moment. And mm-hmm. that was before the rumors of, or as far as yeah. I know, before the rumors of this coming up. So it sounds like there's a chance that JoJo is actually making really good money, cons- all considering that we're in esports winter. And I think that's that's an interesting part about it, is that he was probably, again, this is not fact, but just probably the highest paid player. And that might have even gone up even more. But all I, all I have to say that is, is anyone actually surprised? This guy's been the best man in the league for two years. Like, surely and he's going to become the highest paid player. And he's a young player. Yeah, young player, North American talent, doesn't take up an import slot. Yeah. he's he's He is the type of guy that you pay the highest money in the league to, you know. Just yeah. like, just like presumably Doublelift and Bjergsen were probably the highest paid players at the time back in your season five, six, seven, eight. You could argue that it could like Blabber could have been because you know he's been one of the best junglers. In um, the league he's, since he's been in it, and he's North American talent. He's and- he's, he's under contract till twenty twenty six, so presumably he's on a, a an, an older deal that's lasting a lot longer. Are we sure that's not like just refreshed recently? No, I believe. That was I don't know. Bef- before this offseason. He was under contract to 2026. Gotcha. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I was going to say the last team we haven't really talked about, uh, but they did make one other move. So we should at least mention it is uh, Evil Geniuses. They promoted SRTTY. I don't know if you just say it like you say the letters or if it's like a, I thought it was Surdy or Shirty or something. I don't well, know. I've definitely heard the name before, but it's been too long since I've heard it that I don't remember how to. Say I feel it. like that should illustrate to the people that we don't really know who this guy is. <laughs> you know, we we admittedly don't watch a ton of NA Challenger slash Academy. You know, we kind of know who some of the bigger names are, like and ones who've been around for very long. You know, the DSG squad for me, at least some of the people on the Cloud Nine squad, some of the people on the Dig squad, because I believe Dig was a really uh, high Challenger team in the past split. Yeah. Uh, but it seems that EG is also doing a similar thing to maybe your 100 Thieves, uh, where they're going with a lot of young players, uh, bringing up some of the guys that they've developed throughout the years. While a lot, while people have a lot of bad things to say about Evil Geniuses at a certain aspect, I think you got to give them some respect for the investment that they have put into the development of younger players. Cause yeah, you could separate the players and coaches from the org itself, right? Like there's been like, I feel like we've heard nothing but respect for Kelsey Moser and how what she's done with young North American talent. I feel like maybe she should even get more credit. Um, yeah. She should be even talked about even more, even though you do hear a fair bit about that because she's been a part of so many players and in, in their development. Um, yeah. I, I guess that, that would be one of the sad things about if EG left with that is that a lot of their development over the last couple of years has been great. When you look at Danny, Jojo, um, I guess Shaden and some of the other rookies that they've brought up. And I would hope, you know, her good track record with evil geniuses over the last two years would give her another opportunity on a different team. Yeah. I, I think I mean, if you're, if you're yeah. any of those, I, I keep forgetting the three teams that are still in the challenger scene. I know team liquid's one of them, maybe flies the other, not sure about the third one, but I feel like if Kelsey Moser became available, she should be somebody high on your priority list. Should they continue to invest in any talent and the challenger scene and whatnot? Yeah, she'd been doing it a while. She was with 100 Thieves for quite some time. Yeah. Um, uh, anything else? Well, there's a couple of things that you won't necessarily see just because they're not specifically written on the page. Number one is that Tomio, former jungler of DSG, uh, has a verbal agreement with Shopify to be a substitute in jungle position. Um, so how many people from DSG are left available? Is there any? Is there... So who's... Yeah, Fake Gods... 
on Shopify. Tomio's the sub for Shopify. Young, their midliner is still available. He is the one okay. guy that is available. And obviously, Meech, their ADC is now 100T. And their support is... Wait, who's the support? Was it Zazel? It was Zazel, right? Zazel was support, okay. yeah. And Zazel's on Shopify. Wait, who is their jungler again? Tomio. He's the sub oh, he's right. who we were just true, talking true. about. Yeah, you just... Yeah, you literally mm-hmm. just said that. Yeah, mm-hmm. true. Yeah, okay. So they got one guy left. Yeah, technically, uh, he could still find a team. Good move, I think, mostly because it's clear that they wanted to commit to Boogie uh, for the next year. And I think that was a good decision, just purely based off the results that they got from specifically Insanity and Boogie over the course of 2023. But when we, we talk about backup plans with some other teams, you know, Shopify clearly has a backup plan with this. And yeah. that's just a credit to the coaching staff and the management, I would say. Shopify's looking like decent, man. Like I it just feels like a lot of times when you get like um promotions from Academy, there's there's not that much optimism around the team. I feel like for teams uh promoting so many players, like even Insanity just recently promoted last year, it feels like they're this is the most optimism around a team that's done so many Academy slash challenger promotions. Yeah. I, I said this last week, you know, Shopify is doing everything right in this offseason. And maybe not there. They're maybe not quote unquote winning the offseason because they haven't been making, you know, big name signings and they're not making these splashy moves. But just in terms of org structure and, you know, a team vision, because I feel like there's a clear vision with this team and there's a clear plan. And, you know, while it's not the splashiest of things, like they're kind of low key winning the offseason. For, yeah, for the position you're put in, right? And, and we mentioned last week that there's a good chance Zven could go to this team. Like, that'd be something that makes sense. And I just want to shout out whoever reminded us in the comment section last week that, like, Zven or Zazel was coaching Cloud9 very recently. Right? Yeah, he was his positional week. coach. This was, this had completely, I forgot all about it. And then Revan was coaching there for some time. So just shout out to whoever reminded us of that because I wish I would have brought that up last episode. So this is why we, we utilize the comment section. You guys help mm-hmm. us a lot. Um, so yeah, that would be cool. And I, I think if Zven does join that team, like that's a very respectable team. Uh, one other one uh, on the NRG side of things, not a player, but a coach actually, uh, their former strategic coach, Croissant, was promoted to be sort of the interim GM while he continues his coaching duties. So this kind of further, I think, solidifies my theory that NRG just purely got rid of Jonathan for budget purposes, which is obviously super disappointing just because he was the vehicle that made NRG slash CLG a successful team right now. Um, But Croissant has also been a, a coach on this team and has also been part of the rise of NRG. So glad to see that they're at least keeping things in-house and hopefully they believe that that will lead to similar results. Yeah, and I guess I got a shout out comment section again because I don't, I don't remember who it was in the comments, but let us... Or- suggested that i go watch the interview that david shinock did with nrg's ceo i can't remember his name but that guy um where in that interview it made me feel a lot better about the move i still think that letting go of jonathan is going to be well we might see that as being a very big mistake next year but what it sounds like it sounds like croissant um may have already been part of the decision making coming into this year with this roster like with the moves to go get fbi or yeah fbi and ignar perhaps um i can't say with certainty but basically what it sounded like to me was that he was suggesting that they just don't need someone who's just going to be a GM alone and that croissant can fill the role of what they've had as a GM and um, be part of the coaching staff as well. That's what I got from it. So it, basically what it sounds like is 
they have confidence that they won't be lacking by losing Jonathan because croissant was probably a big part in building the roster already. Mm-hmm. That that's what I got from it. It's um, so good. Sh- it's good to hear that they have, you know, a very positive and confident mentality towards that decision of letting Jonathan go. But like I said, last week, only time will tell. Yeah. If NRG I, and, made a big mistake or not. And maybe some teams should be looking to get them. Um, if they have some GM, I was needs. if I was any LCS team, I'd be signing this guy up right now. Basically, I mean, easy to say though. Money does talk, right? It does. Uh, and then the last thing, Darshan retiring. Uh, well, there was another thing in there, but you skipped over that. But that's okay. Oops. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say, if you looked at the notable missing players list at the bottom, you might see one name that was on there last week, but that's not on there, and they're not on there not because they got on a team. It's because someday officially announced that he's taking a break for spring oh, yes. 2024. Um, obviously, that probably is because he didn't get a starting spot on a team. But maybe Doesn't he'll want to go to Immortals. Probably, yeah, probably, and maybe he'll become a he'll become like a super sub for Summer Split or something. Yeah, I hope so. I hope that's the case. It's nice to have a break glass in case of emergency kind of player. So yeah, I think someday would fit that, and then. Yeah, as I mentioned, Darshan retiring officially, which yeah. is like, I know a lot of people are not going to care because he hasn't been in the LCS for quite some time, though. But I do think it's important to highlight just what kind of career this guy did have. A long, long, long time player for LCS slash Academy. Um, nothing but good things to say. If you had talked to any players that played with him, nothing but good things to say about Darshan. Um, is it just me or is that just, was his retirement video just so weird because he had I this couldn't like, watch it. He it had was this, a little cringy. He had this just deadpan stare the entire time talking in this like very simplistic monotone voice that was just giving me a weird vibe. I, it was weird vibe. So I'm not going to pretend it wasn't because I couldn't watch it because it was really cringy. I don't care. I still love Darshan. I just, I'll admit I couldn't get through the video. It was really awkward and just odd. But that's, I don't care. That, that's who he is. That's no problem with me. I still think that it's, uh, yeah, I still like Darshan. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, now yeah, what? I think, that, I think that does it for the LCS-related free agency news, and I'll try to quickly go through yeah, let's speed run the Europe stuff. some of the other region free agency news that we've gotten. Uh, first off, I think we'll start off with Vitality, because they basically got their whole roster locked in in this past week. Uh, number one, and I think most importantly, um, they picked up the former Mad Lions coaching staff of Coach Mack and this other guy whose name is Pad, I believe. Paddock or something like that? Paddock? Uh, but he's the know. he's got kind of Mack's right-hand man. So he has, him and Mack have signed with Vitality Verbal Agreement on a three-year contract. They also are sticking with Photon moving into 2024. Uh, we mentioned last week they're sticking with Daglas. Uh, verbal agreement with Vitio, verbal agreement with Karzi, he's back on Vitality, and Hillisang, verbal agreement as well. Yeah, you've kind of got a Mad Lions shift over, pretty much. Yeah, it's some Mad Lions sprinkled in with some uh, some former uh, Misfits guys with the yeah. Vitio in there. And I th- didn't yeah. Photon play on Misfits or something? Or I don't remember, honestly. There was some Korean top that played for Misfits. Was it him? I, I can't remember. But whatever. Somebody uh, in the comment section could let us know. Oh, you know what? I, I just remembered his name. Hirit. That was his name. Oh, yeah. I forgot all about that guy. Never mind. Okay. Different guy. Uh, next up. Uh, I think, did we mention last week that Trimby wasn't going to be on a team? Or was that? 
I don't know if we mentioned that. Last okay, week. I don't think we did, but I, I didn't write it down. But I just remembered it. Uh, Trimby, who was the former Fnatic support, came out and said that he was not going to be playing in the spring split, or I guess it's just a winter split of 2024 in the LEC because he couldn't find a roster. And that's a we, little disappointing to me. Yeah, he's kind of been one of the better supports in the region for the last three years now. So to see him not be on a team is pretty sad. But I assume that a spot will open up for him come spring or summer, and. Unfortunately for him, he's getting replaced by June, former DRX support. Um, so he's joining Fnatic. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't really have. Too oh, many I did write it down think... here. I'm just blind. What last week? You're no, the, the, the Trimby thing. It's literally written right there. I said that I didn't write it down, but I see oh, it right yeah. there. I'm just blind. Yeah, it's definitely on there. No, I I'm just surprised because I feel like Trimby's been one of the better supports in Europe. At least whenever I'm watching Trimby, he's been really impressive to me. So I. I, this, I guess I should get used to this because it happens every year where there's guys that we think obviously deserve to be playing uh, and just don't have teams. It's just Trimby happens to be the new victim of that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, uh, Marcoon, former SK jungler. He got a verbal agreement with Infinite Reality, which was formerly Koi. It's kind of rogue. We still don't know what the hell that team is going to be named going to 2024. Uh, but he's going to be on that team. I think Larson's also there with... Uh, Still, the previous guys on that team, Shigenda and Comp. Uh, sorry to cut off, but like I just noticed the stream's dead. Uh, we're still recording, at least. Oh yeah, we are. Okay, good. Um, sorry, I, I interrupted you. You were saying? Uh, no, I mean that was it. Uh, next up, uh, Peach. Uh, he's remaining with XL. He joined. I think it was in like, yeah, either spring or summer. A Korean jungler actually had a pretty good year. Uh, so glad to see him sticking around. And then last up, Targamas. Uh. Staying with Karamine Corp, he did get the promotion from, you know, obviously they were an, an LFL team, now they're an LEC team, and he's going to be promoted along with uh, Saken and Cabo Shard to join Upset and Bow. Cool. I don't really have too many thoughts. The only thing that the only thing that stood out to me was the Trimby thing. Mm. And then last up, uh, this is non-NA, non-EU, some LCK news actually, and this is somewhat relevant because we would have just been seeing this player at the World Championship not too long ago. Uh, but first thing I will say is this is a non-sheep esports rumor. This is just a random rumor that popped up on Reddit that is all based off of the T1 scrims from the last week leading up to the World Championship. So do with that what you will. But uh, Kanavi has apparently made the tryouts on Gen G, so he'll be their new. He will be their new starting jungler moving into 2024, replacing Peanut. Obviously, well, that's back in that's the LCK tryouts, now. right? That's that's not tryouts might just mean he's trying out and hasn't made the team right let's i guess that's a good point in all honesty i took the post as like he's on the team (laughs) now so that's actually a very good point okay but let's just pretend for the sake for the sake of argument that it is true like again it's a rumor sure but let's just pretend that it is true and he is starting i think this is really interesting going forward that um one of the best ways to give teams that are going to finals good practice is to put them up against people that are in tryouts. Like one of the issues that you might have going to finals is that there's nobody left to scrim. Everyone's kind of checked out. But if you're doing tryouts, people are like tryharding, you know, like that, that could be like really good practice going into finals. And I mean, who knows? Maybe T1 got some really good scrims and that helped yeah. them win finals. Just saying. Well, either way, I think even if, even if we are assuming that Kanavi made the team and Peanut's not on the team, Peanut's going to get a spot in the LCK still. I uh, hope so. He, he, he's been pretty damn good over the course of his tenure on Gen G. Yeah. Yep. 
anything else on other regions? No, I think we're, uh, I mean, I guess we should, I'm going to do a last minute check at this moment okay. just to see. Uh, okay, while you're anything. doing that, I'm going to kick off our quick news. Um, quick news, first thing is that, well, the opening ceremony, we should just talk about that. The opening ceremony to me, I thought it was great. Um, I know a lot of people, or I shouldn't say a lot of people, I saw a couple of people on Twitter say that like uh, the Mordekaiser was a little bit scuffed looking. Wait, I, I thought the Mordekaiser so. was sick. Me too. I thought it was thought awesome. It was cool. So yeah, I, I just, to me, I, I don't know, man. I thought it was great. I, I loved it. I thought it was really, really cool. Also, Mordekaiser is kind of scary. So I think that's why I like it so much. I think it's, I, it was like, I think the Elder Dragon a few years back may have looked more clear and, and like whatever. But I just think as far as like how cool it looked and Mordekaiser being all scary and such, I think I like the Mordekaiser more. And I think that's probably an unpopular opinion. Really? I thought it was really cool. The Mordekaiser thing? The only... So do you like Mordekaiser more than the Elder Dragon from like 2017 or whatever it was? Or which one's better? I mean, I feel like the Elder Dragon is just because that's like the nostalgia of it. And it was like the first big kind of anime, like digital animation thing they did at the World Championship. That's what I so... think most people will say. I think most people will be on Team Elder Dragon. I, but but I, I don't know. Mordekaiser is admi- really cool. Admittedly, I think that's just because of the nostalgia. Mm. Um, I don't know. When it came to the opening ceremony, I definitely liked it overall. The only one thing that I just found a little bit confusing was why was Rise getting played? Like, why did that have its whole like its own whole musical performance? I didn't understand that. They did that, Rise and Legends Never Die. I don't know. They just did the really popular ones, I guess. Yeah, but they didn't do like a whole like big Legends Never Die thing. They just kind of had like a little bit of the song. Whereas like for Rise, they had like a whole dedicated performance to it. Yeah. Like Legends Never Die know, was just was... like kind of sprinkled in at the start of that whole thing that was going on as opposed to like Rise was its own three to four minute musical thing, which I literally just was like, why is this happening? Like this is this shit's five years old. I'm not going to lie. This is probably another unpopular take. But for me, I don't give a shit about any of the dancing or anything up on that. Like, I don't care at all about that. The only reason why I loved it was the Leona Ulti and the Mordekaiser. I'm a very, very simple guy. Like, the rest of it could all fuck off. Even though I know people loved it, and I know people loved it for the music, the, the, the dancing, all that stuff. It's just not my thing. I'm like, Mordekaiser, cool. Leona Ulti, beast. And that's, I'm, Ezreal ulted the crowd. Awesome. I'm very, very simple in that uh, manner. I always find it funny, like, when you, when League has these various animation type things, and obviously, you know, some of it's based on lore, but I kind of just naturally, as I'm like, I'm not a big lore guy, so I'm always thinking in terms of the game, and mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, this Leona is alting this full tank Mordekaiser, like, this is useless, like, what's going on? Because <laughs> I, 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 I also lore, think so of the, noob, like, I don't. I think of the like video where Leona is fighting Pantheon and that like cinematic mm-hmm. from a couple of years ago. And like yeah, my yeah. brain at the time is just like, bro, Pantheon, if this is the actual game, like Pantheon's going to shit on this guy. I don't know. I just thought yeah, that I was mean, funny. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't, here's the thing. I love the lore. I just don't, I'm not very good at knowing the lore. It's, it's that simple. So like anything that like they'll present, I can't be like, oh, this is factual or not factual. This is canon or not canon. It's just to me, oh, champions, cool. I'm so simple in that way. So, anyways, I think they knocked it out of the park. All they had to do to to make me happy was put the uh, Mordekaiser in there, and I'm you know, mm-hmm. I'm fired up and ready to go. And then uh, we should probably also talk about the 2024 teaser, the map, Chinter. Yeah, they kind of pretty fucking sweet. Yeah, they teased a bunch of things in between all the games, in between all the breaks, and they obviously debuted this, you know, season 2024 trailer, which did look really, really cool. Some map changes, I think, were definitely needed, but, like, the one and only map change that they made in the past 
what, seven years as the alcoves? That, that's the only actual map. Ch I mean, I'm not counting elemental rifts and all that. Okay, yeah. Like, I'm not counting that. Just like the baseline map. Obviously, it did seem like in the trailer, some of the elements of the map seemed to be based on some mechanic that wasn't just the original map. The ones I'm talking specifically are around the Baron Pit and whatnot. The sort of void, the void thing that's going on with the rift where like, we have like a void blue buff and red buff and these random little mini camps that's in the Baron pit before the Rift Herald spawns or I don't even know. Maybe that is when Rift Herald spawns. Who knows? Uh, I'm hoping this is a stretch here because, again, I'm I need to emphasize I am bronze as fuck when it comes to knowing the lore of Runeterra. I just hope that this is lore accurate and that like this is the start of a story of like the void taking over the world or whatever. And like there's like some some sort of lore piece coming with this with this summoner's rift change that's what i'm hoping mm -hmm. i think that would be cool yeah but there, there was also some other map changes that did seem a little bit more permanent i think the ones that were pretty notable was around mid lane and bot lane there's kind of like an extra pathway right next to the tower you can kind yeah. of get like you can kind of be dope you can find jesus christ i'm losing get dope tower yeah towers yeah. do not seem so safe anymore like they're making tower dives much more possible i think yeah. Mm -hmm. And you just wonder, obviously, we only saw a one minute video. We don't have any of the numbers or anything behind it. I wonder if they're then going to buff towers a little bit because of that. Like, I wonder if their rationales, we want to make dives easier at like a baseline level of play. But if you're kind of going to do that, then don't you naturally have to make the towers a little bit more stronger if diving is going to be easier in general? Maybe. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Um, do you like new Baron or old Baron? Um, I mean... I I don't like, is that a permanent thing? Like, I guess my question is like, do we know that's like officially the permanent new Baron? Because they were also no, we showing don't. like the void red buff and the void blue buff and those like random yeah. little like uh, cylindrical motherfuckers that are in the pit. Like, I don't know if, it, if it's that's the permanent new Baron. Sure. Someone in chat says new Baron mouth a little too freaky. I think like the scary stuff is kind of good, though. I'm a big fan of scary. <laughs> if you haven't noticed. <laughs> So I like New Baron. I really liked Old Baron too. Not not the original Baron. The first season nine or excuse me, two thousand nine Baron was trash. <laughs> I, I don't just... like that Baron. But both Barons, I'm a big fan of. So I don't care if it's like permanent this new one or not. I think they both look really fucking cool. I just hope that with the addition of this new Baron, we don't lose the very rare bug that you get with Baron, where it'll like die or you'll be doing it and it just like a shadow of it spawns across the floor and it just looks like a giant purple dick. I don't even remember like, that at all. Yeah, <laughs> I don't they, know what keep, you're talking about. <laughs> you don't really? You don't know what that is? No. no. I'll, I'll find it to you later and send it to you. It's a, it's a pretty funny wait. bug when it happens. It's just like a random visual bug that happens in the game, but it's funny. Okay. Um, They teased uh, a couple other things also during the kind of stages in between games. Uh, number one was New Champion. And the New Champion, uh, we won't talk about it you know, too much, but it feels kind of like the AP Affilios. I forgot to look, so I don't even know. I meant to go watch that, and I completely forgot. Yeah, so the gist of it is, is the champion has 10 abilities. Oh, and shit. you're basically double, like, you have the, you're given the option to double cast your abilities. So you can press Q, and then press Q again, and that does something specific. You can then also press Q, and then W, and that does something. Then you press Q, and then E, and that does something, and then, you know, so on and so forth, and I think oh, this the, sounds really complicated. Uh, the best way that they explained it, uh, I want to see if I can find it just because it was, they actually did a really good job of explaining it, um, is when you press your Q, uh, you're going to be dealing damage. 
when you uh-huh. press your W, you're going to be sort of doing some buffs. And then when you press your E, you're going to be doing crowd control. And then you kind of can, like, like I said, you're, you have, you know, 10 total abilities. So you can combine your abilities. So like if you do Q with Q again, it's like big damage. If you do Q with W, it's like some sort of, uh, like a control oh. damage and like Q plus E is damage plus like CC. So uh, there's a lot of possibilities. I feel like, you know, for, for those who have no idea what I'm talking about whatsoever, go on YouTube, go on Reddit, look at the champion, uh, the video for the teaser of the champion and the skin spotlight video that explains all of the spells. Cause I feel like that'll give people a better understanding of what it is. It just looks really, really cool. It looks like the AP affiliates. Yeah. I'll have to go have a look at that. Uh, what's next, Jinter? Well, I was going to give your TFT a little bit of shine here. They they had this cool little TFT trailer where this this little chunk got Steve Aoki. I thought that, that was pretty cool. Dude, that thing was awesome. The TFT little cinematic that they made. That was beast. Yeah. I like that just as much as the actual final <laughs> ceremony. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, I don't think that... Uh, is there anything Worlds related that we want to talk about before we close out the World Championship until 2024? Uh... I don't think we missed anything. No, there's nothing that's coming oh, to mind. Oh, no, I, I just thought of one thing that we're missing. The finals viewership. Oh, right. Yes, there was a Reddit post for that. I I posted it earlier. I forgot to write it down, so I'm going to find this post right now. Uh, found it. Uh, peak viewership between T1 versus Weibo. Obviously, this does not include the Chinese streaming numbers. It's 6.4 million, which is pretty insane. I think that's one of the highest I've ever heard in recent memories. I want to say that 2018, which is another big world final, which was also in Korea, I think that was only like two or three million. And that was not, you know, not including Chinese viewership and that had a Chinese team in it. So the fact that we had a Chinese team in it for this one and the non-Chinese viewership was almost double what it was five years ago. I feel like that bodes very, very well. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, um, I'm kind of blind because I literally can see it right below in this Reddit post. It says top five most popular League World Championships. This was the most popular one in terms of the final. And it didn't even go to four games. Like it was only it was three games. It was a three of stomping, which is the surprising part. Yeah. World, Worlds 2022, second place, 5.1. That was a five game banger. Uh, Worlds 2021. What was that? What happened? That was, oh, that was another five game DRX or sorry, uh, Damwon versus EDG five games, yeah, EDG, 4 million um, yeah. worlds, 2019, unfortunately a three Oh stomp, but that was, uh, uh, 3.9 million. 2019, those 2020, were 2020 was a three one Damwon versus Suning was 3.8. Hmm. So, yeah. so it's just getting more and more popular every year. Pretty much is what you're telling me. Yeah. Everyone but NA, also, basically. F- Faker was in it, but also Faker was in last year's too. It's just it was in North America. Yeah. God, you know what I'm gonna say, man. This is why I'm worried that they're not gonna come back to North America ever again. I hope they do, but like if they see these numbers with Faker in a finals in only three games, and that does way better viewership than Faker in a best of five last year, like you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm a little worried. Uh, next up, uh, Freak. Uh, we obviously had a brief discussion about the Carthasalt thing last week, kind of a bit of a joke at the time. Uh, but apparently he made an announcement a couple days ago saying that he's quitting all social media now due to toxicity and death threats. Bruh. Uh, League like, of Legends, League of Legends fan base and toxicity plus death threats. Name a more iconic duo. Yeah. I, I don't know what to say. 
it's just unfortunate. Like that's, that's all there is to say. Um, people are going to hate on, you know, the, whoever is the face of balance. You know, I was, I was talking to, to you and a couple other people about this, you know, a few days ago, like uh, riot or sorry, what was his name? Mark Yetter. He used to be the guy that was always putting out the, the patch, you know, previews and whatnot on Twitter. And he, all the time you you click on the thread and you'd look at the replies and half of it was just like garbage toxicity bullshit that was just clearly just aimed as to be as mean as possible not any construct nothing constructive whatsoever and yeah, it seems I- that this is all just following in suit and it's now uh removed freak from the public eye which is i think kind of a bad thing because well there was this whole controversy last week with the whole Garth assault thing and him making a, a poor joke it's unfortunate that now it that whole situation has kind of ruined the rest of the public communication that we've been getting from freak ever since he became a part of the balance team. Yeah. I won't defend his garbage take. It was a garbage take. And I'm sure he even knows that by this point, like it's yeah, bad take. I won't defend it. But what I just, what bothers me so much is that people like freak should get praise for being the ones to go and do all these patch notes and stuff like that. And being completely open with the community and with their thought process behind all these changes, like people should be rewarded for doing this stuff and the opposite is happening just because of one bad take it's just pretty cringe it kind of makes me angry not gonna lie yeah uh next up uh another rumor not anything to do with a uh, free agency uh with regards to any of the regions but keep in mind i'll put the caveat by saying this is a monte cristo rumor so like <laughs> i said we don't know how embellished and or truthful this is uh but he tweeted out fairly recently that there are currently no plans to continue the LPL English broadcast for 2024. Now, I think he did clarify this slightly uh, later by saying that it's likely that this could get outsourced to a third party and would not start up again until summer of 2024. But the fact that the LPL English broadcast has seemingly been getting uh, more and more viewers over the course, you know, recently, and I think the the casting and the production of it has also increased over the course of the last couple of years. You know, this is the first year of the world championship that we saw LPL casters integrated into the, the whole commentary team and broadcast team with hysterics and munchables. Uh, but to see them not have an English broadcast for swing split next year would be sad. Yeah, no, I, there's nothing more for me to add really. It's just that sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, uh, following along with people talking about on stream with certain things, uh, Riot August was recently on a stream talking about uh, some design champion stuff and uh, his shortcomings with designing the champion Zeri. And he basically just came out and stated that Riot is now in a position where they never or they really don't want to buff Zeri in fear of having her take over pro play once again. Yeah, that's good news. And while I am glad that they came out and said that, I would also say if you are like if you have reached the point where we are saying we can no longer buff a champion because we are fearful that it's going to be become a pro play staple and be overpowered and in in the hands of higher ranked players then mm-hmm. this champion shouldn't be in the game. You need yeah, to Yeah, that's you, not going to happen. I, not I, gonna know, I know, I know like it's not happen. going to happen, but it should happen. Based off of everything that they've said about the champion should mean you remove it from the game, but I mean, they're not going to do it because Riot never does it. But they should. That doesn't the bother from me though. Game. Like, if people want to play the champion, it's there to play it, and most people should just ignore it if it's not good. But like to me, it's not a problem. You know, like just don't play it if it's that bad. So I, I guess it, what I'm saying is it doesn't really bother me that much as long as it's not ruining pro play anymore. Fine by me. 
Yeah, it's just uh, unfortunate that we've got to this situation in the end when we spent basically a whole year of, you know, buffing and nerfing this champion for us to just end up with, well, we're, we can't figure out the champion, so we're not going to deal with it anymore. Okay, on the positive side, though, it didn't take as long as it took with fucking Yumi, right? I mean, yeah, but that champion was still even seeing a bit of play. You know, who like know, Yumi like, was a problem for like three or four years before she. I don't even know if we could still consider Yumi dead. Like she still pops up every once in a while. I haven't heard them come out and say we're trying to make sure that Yumi never gets into pro play again. Have they said that? No, they haven't explicitly came out and said that. Like they that mm. Riot August did with this, but. So like, I guess what I'm saying is, I, I just think they did a much better job acknowledging that Zeri's a mistake, whereas they couldn't make that distinct. They couldn't do, figure that out with Yumi. So I guess they're improving, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, I guess my my point or my question is is what's the purpose of the champion now? Like just to be there to play, like to we can't, but we have, can't, we can't buff it. So like, w what is this champion doing? Just collecting free skin money. Whoever likes Zeri will play it. And I guess that's all I can, I guess all I can say about that is that's just fucking lazy. So I I don't know. It's so whatever to me. It's just not that big of an issue. I think. I but just think just it's me. a I just think it's a bad sort of precedent and whatnot. That's all. Okay, and anything else yeah last up and it's actually kind of fitting that this is last up or should i say last 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 up because apparently deft said he's going to continue to play professionally in 2024 so while 2022 world championship was dubbed as the last dance 2023 was the last last dance and now i guess he's having a last last <laughs> last dance hmm. like as much as I, as much parallels? as i as much as I like Deft, and I obviously love the story of Worlds 2022, I feel like it's just losing a little bit of its magic when we're doing this whole Brett Favre thing of like, oh, I'm still playing, lol. I was just about to ask you if there was any parallels you could draw into other sports. Yeah. Um, there's some other league ones, too. Doublelift has come out of retirement. Yeah. Mind you, Doublelift did not win Worlds, so it's not the same. But like, Doublelift has mm. taken breaks, retired. No, but I'm I'm kind of like half kidding, but it's funny and obviously to see Deft continue playing is a good thing. Yeah, I think yeah, it, it's a net plus. I do agree with you that it takes away a little bit from his championship, but like you have one of the most popular players in the world, one of the best players in the world, still playing. This is good news. We take those. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's it for this episode. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, next episode. We don't know, guys. I think we're going to do one next week. I feel like one's going to happen next week. Well, I, I would do one in like three or four days, right? Oh, if, well, if maybe. If the agency drops in, everyone signs everybody real quick. Like, maybe it's possible. Well, I, I um, guess the, the point is, I feel like the expectation should be, we'll be back here next week. For sure. Yeah, at the, at the very least, we should have uh, one more episode. Um, if you're curious about when that might be, because we don't know right now, what you can do is you can go to our Discord. Because Jinter, excuse me, Jinter will always post in the Discord when we're going live, and then I'll tweet as well. Um, so yeah, if you want to keep tabs on catching the live show, that's one way you can do that. You go to twitch.tv slash podcast, and you can find us there. Uh, otherwise, just, yeah, it'll be up on YouTube when it's up. So find us on all of them platforms. Uh, okay. Hope you guys enjoyed Worlds. We did. Hopefully there's some good news coming out of free agency and a little bit less of this doomerism talk, although we've kind of gotten used to it at this point. I think we're yeah. slowly becoming immune to the LCS doomer stuff. And I, I guess a positive is that it gives us something to talk about. 
would love to be talking about North America winning worlds. It's okay. We're just, we're setting up, like, with all the doomerism talk, we're setting it up for the triumphant return when the expectations will flip on its head. Like We're, we're when, scaling. Like, I don't like know. We're scaling years into... Now, five years from now? We're scaling. We just don't know how long it's going to take. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves an underdog story. The LCS will turn around and everything will be fine. Okay, uh, we'll see you guys when we see you guys. This has been episode 146 of the Clown Fiesta podcast. Goodbye.